What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT. And before we get into NXT, I do have a few quick announcements I have to make because obviously this is the first time you are hearing my uh, beautiful voice here on the show since the last NXT recap that we did. Uh, We basically recapped uh, two NXTs on one show uh, because of some fuckery that's been taking place 
during the last couple of weeks. But as far as the other segments go, uh, basically what happened was Elvis recently uh, went on vacation in Chicago. Uh, I cannot remember why he went to Chicago, but I know um, I did talk to him uh, on thir- this past Thursday, and he mentioned that he was going to Chicago. Um, unfortunately, uh, he did come by the house, and we did hang out for a bit, but he did not have time to sit down and do a podcast. Otherwise, we would have did a podcast uh, that day. But he only had time to sit around and talk for a bit. He was in the neighborhood, uh, so he came by the house, we hung out for a bit, and then eventually he went home. But he told me he was going uh, out of town to Chicago. And I know uh, Elvis is the type of guy that takes more vacations than the president, pretty much all the past few presidents combined. And because Desmond doesn't really have a laptop or anything to work with and has hasn't been able to collaborate with Elvis, he hasn't really been able to provide a recap either. So basically, both AEW correspondents have been out of whack, their schedules have been insane or whatever, so that's why there was no AEW recap uh, from last week. Uh, Elvis was out of town and therefore was not able to do it. Some of you might be wondering, well, Boots, why didn't you do it? Well, that's because uh, my schedule has been completely out of whack and part of the reason that... Um, we have everything set up the way it is, is because I was not in charge of the AEW recaps anymore. Uh, Elvis wanted the job. I gave him the job. Uh, he dropped the ball with it. And because of my schedule, I am not able to properly sit down and watch episodes of AEW. So it's hard for me to even get a hold of AEW. But that's another story for another day. Uh, also, as you guys know, Elvis and I have our variety show that we do as well, where we mix in wrestling and, and sometimes, you know, things going on in the news. It can be politics. It can be, you know, pop culture. We have our, our mixture show. Well, because Elvis is in Chicago, he obviously was not able to be part of that recap. And I had a wrestling show with Buff that I had to go to, which I'm not going to talk about that on the show. I'll go into more detail about that uh, when Elvis and I reunite for the variety show. But because of that and how late it went, I was not able to do the variety show with Elvis. But I did have time today after all the work that I had to go through earlier today to uh, watch NXT and do this NXT recap. So I am here to provide you guys with the recap of NXT. And I'm riding solo this week because uh, Zach only had one Tuesday off, so he's not able to join me. And John is still on hiatus from uh, you know planning his wedding, which is set to take place in October. Uh, him and his fiance are going to tie the knot. Although I will say John's birthday was earlier today, so I will give out a happy birthday shout-out to the NXT correspondent, Mr. John Tumblin. Uh, happy birthday, sir. Congratulations on turning 35. And uh, hopefully you will have many more birthdays to celebrate. And I think I speak for the entire Boochcast Nation when I say we anxiously await your return to Talking NXT. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, since I got all that off my chest, let's jump into the recap. We kick things off with our first official match of the evening, Dakota Kai goes one-on-one against Saray. Now, originally, it was supposed to be Ember Moon versus Saray, but apparently Ember Moon suffered some kind of injury, I think it was. Uh, I don't know if it's a kayfabe injury or an actual injury, but I'm assuming it's an actual injury because she was not on TV. If it was a kayfabe injury, there would be some type of video being run of Dakota Kai attacking Ember Moon and putting her out of the picture to have this match. But they decided to throw Dakota Kai in here. 
And if Ember Moon is seriously injured, I wish her a speedy recovery and return because Ember Moon is somebody that uh, deserves the spotlight. She's an incredibly talented female wrestler. I'm a little disappointed she's not the NXT Women's Champion right now. But with the storyline we got going on right now, I can see why she doesn't have it. But I will say this match was awesome. This was a great opening TV match. Uh, Dakota Kai really took the fight to Saray. But what I liked about this was I knew Dakota Kai was going to win. And she was going to break the undefeated streak of Saray. And the reason is because, as we know, she just attacked Raquel Gonzalez and is looking to face her at NXT TakeOver 36. In fact, I think the match was pretty much already booked. So we know this match is going to happen. Dakota Kai cannot take a loss going into TakeOver. She can't. And with all due respect to Saray, there's not a lot of marketing behind her. Yeah, she's this great Japanese wrestler. Like, we don't have enough of those in NXT. But as far as I'm concerned, she does not need an undefeated streak. Not every female Japanese wrestler needs to be undefeated. It doesn't work. It never gets over. It didn't work with Asuka. It didn't work with Kairi Sane. It's not going to work with Saray. Okay? Nobody wants to see the dominant Japanese female wrestler. It's an overplayed gimmick that's been done to death in NXT. And I don't care how that makes me sound. I'm stating facts. Uh, anyway, still great match. Both competitors deserve a round of applause for their efforts. In the end, Kai lands a punt kick and gets the victory. All of a sudden, we see Raquel Gonzalez arrive at the arena. And then uh, after Dakota Kai gets the win, uh, Saray gets to her feet. Kai tries another running boot, but Gonzalez hits the ring. Kai runs away. Gonzalez grabs a mic and says, If Kai wanted a shot, all she had to do was ask. And now she's basically saying she will destroy her at TakeOver 36. And I gotta say, I loved the promo from Raquel Gonzalez. It was it was angry, it was raw, it was legit. Because I liked it. It was the classic babyface line. If you wanted the shot, all you had to do was ask. And that's, and that's a classic line that everybody says when their partner turns on them. Because you're basically trying to explain to them, look, you don't have to stab me in the back. All you had to do was say, look, I want a shot at the title. And as your friend, I would give you a shot at the title. Now, I'm not just going to hand the belt to you. I'm going to fight you in a legit match, and you're going to have to earn it. But if you beat me legitimately, I can shake your hand, and we can still be friends. I'm not going to be bitter that you took my title from me if you beat me legitimately. Now, if you cheat to win, fuck you. But if you beat me legitimately, I got nothing to say. So it's a classic babyface line, but the fact that she says, I'm going to destroy you is perfect. Because now we're going to see an angry Raquel Gonzalez, which we have not seen really since Mercedes Martinez. I mean, yeah, with Zia Lee, she was a little bit up, a little bit angry, but I didn't really feel the promos during the feud with Zia Lee. But I feel it now because this is an ultimate friendship betrayal, and it works perfect because Dakota Kai has a history of turning on her friends, so it works for her. But also, what I love about this is the fact that we're gonna see a legit fight between these two women. This puts emotion behind the match. Not that the other matches don't have emotion, because believe me, Samoa Joe and Karrion Cross. That shit's got emotion. And there's at least one other match we're going to talk about a little later in this recap that also has a lot of emotion behind it. But to have matches that have an emotional storyline behind it, it's what sells tickets. And now that we've got fans 
that can come back to the stands, we need to sell tickets. Now, I now they haven't really said much about TakeOver as far as where it's going to be located. I'm really hoping it's not at the Capitol Wrestling Center. I'm going to take great offense if TakeOver 36 is in the Capitol Wrestling Center. I want to hear there's a venue. Because let's be honest, NXT TakeOver draws fans. Like, literally, they used to be pretty much close to or in the same arena as wherever a pay-per-view was taking place. Like, I would like to see a TakeOver in Las Vegas. I'm surprised it's not called NXT TakeOver Las Vegas. Why would you not use Vegas for an NXT TakeOver? Do you really think people are not going to buy tickets to an NXT TakeOver? Wrestling fans would love to go. It would be perfect. That would have been a much better way to present this TakeOver as opposed to TakeOver 36. Because I want to see it in a real arena again. Because fans love it. Why would you not buy tickets? I would love to say it to any wrestling fan. NXT TakeOver has never had a problem with ticket sales. I've never seen a situation where NXT didn't draw either a sold-out crowd or close to it. I haven't seen it. Now, granted, since COVID, they've been in the Capitol Wrestling Center. It's made sense to me. Now, it doesn't. Since WWE, the main roster, is now back in front of fans... I think NXT needs to do the same thing. No disrespect to the Capitol Wrestling Center. It's a great place for weekly TV. It really is. But for the takeovers, you gotta get back in the arenas. You gotta get back to the buildings. Why? Because fans will come to see it. It needs to have a big fight feel. It needs to have that difference. And that's really what's bothering me. But anyway, still, this is gonna be a great match. And I have a feeling Dakota Kai is going to walk out with the women's title, and I think she should. Because I've said, it's the same answer I give all the time. I'm sure y'all are sick of hearing it, but it's a question I need answered. At this point, who else? Look at the women's roster right now in NXT and tell me, who has Raquel Gonzalez not beaten that is credible enough to beat her? And the answer is nobody. There is not a woman on this roster that hasn't already gotten their ass kicked by Raquel Gonzalez that is credible enough to beat her. So unless you're going to reshuffle the deck, it's no point. I think Dakota Kai needs to walk out with the title. She needs to win because Raquel's got to lose at some point. And since she's beaten everybody else, it's only fitting that it goes to Dakota Kai. And it makes sense. Because ever since Raquel won that title, Dakota Kai became the sidekick. When originally, Raquel was supposed to be the sidekick. Dakota Kai was supposed to get the push. She was supposed to be the women's champion as a result of Raquel's help. So now, Dakota needs to have her time. Because she made this epic heel turn to get the women's title. And for whatever reason, they have refused to put it on her. So, unless Frankie Monet is going to be the one. I just That just popped into my head just now. Frankie Monet is only the other person. If Dakota Kai doesn't beat Raquel Gonzalez, then Frankie Monet needs to get the job done. Because I know a lot of y'all are seeing Frankie Monet, but I still see Taya Valkyrie when I see her. I like the Frankie Monet gimmick, but to me, she will always be La Huera Loca. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next moment here. We go, we cut to the Gargano home. Indy Hartwell is getting ready for her date with Dexter Loomis. 
Gargano and LeRae complain about Indy being in love with Loomis. The doorbell rings, and it's Loomis with a dozen roses. Gargano asks Loomis what his intentions are with Hartwell. Gargano reads Loomis the Riot Act, complete with a declaration that Loomis must have Hartwell back by 10 p.m. Hartwell and Loomis leave. Gargano tells LeRae that he's tracking Hartwell and asks her to go get the car. Now, I love this segment. I know some people are going to look at this and go, oh, this is probably Vince McMahon and WWE getting involved, blah, blah, blah. No, this is a good segment. This is an example of comedy and wrestling being done right. Because everybody can relate to this scene. And that's what wrestling is supposed to be. That's the key to a successful wrestling match or a successful wrestling show is making it believable. Doing something that the audience can relate to. That's why the wrestling matches are supposed to look like real fights. Even though it's a work, it's still supposed to be a fight. Like, if this were real, this is how it would look. That's why when certain things happen, like getting punched in the face, or poked in the eyes, or getting put in a headlock, you have to sell it like you're really using it. Like, people know what it's like to be put in a headlock. You know what it's like to be punched in the face. You know what it's like to be poked in the eyes. You know what it's like to have your hair pulled. You know what it's like to get bit. You know how those things feel. So if that person has that happen to them and they don't react the way a normal person would react, the match looks fake. This scenario right here, we all can relate to this. If you've ever been on a date, you know what this is like. You know this is how parents act when their child is going on a date. If you're a guy and you've ever driven to a girl's house to pick her up for a date, you know that every father has sat you down and had that conversation. What are your intentions with my daughter? What are your plans for tonight? Because the dad has a thought already in his mind. And that thought is, you want to fuck my daughter. Now, unless you're a dumbass, you're not going to look that father in the eye and say, well, sir, I'm going to bend your daughter over in the backseat of my car and proceed to beat that pussy up like it owes me money. Again, unless you're a dumbass, you're not going to say that to a father. You're going to say, you know, we're just going to go out. We're going to go out to dinner. We're going to have a good time. Just talk. And here's the thing. To an extent, that is true. Because even though guys do want to get laid on the first date, every guy does. I don't care who the guy is. They're all trying to get laid on the first date. Unless he's some kind of uh, Christian boy who believe, who is against premarital sex, oh, every other guy on the planet wants to get laid on the first date and is trying to have sex with the girl. But there are guys out there that don't mind, you know, going out to dinner and getting to know the girl, and talking and everything, they don't mind building that intimate connection before they have the sex. And most guys, if they don't get the sex on the first date, if the girl is interesting enough, they're willing to go on another date, and or go on two or three more dates before the sex happens. You know? It, 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 it's the truth. But... You're not going to say that. And then the guy's like, hey, you're going to go out. You're going to take her out to dinner. You're going to have her home by 10 p.m. No later. You know, that's what most dads say. You need to have my daughter back at this house by 10. If she's not home by 10, I'm going to fucking hunt you down and kill you. 
And the reason they say 10 p.m. is because every dad knows that restaurants close at 10. So that means if you're not back by 10, you're not out to eat anymore if you're still out past 10. One of two things is happening. You're either somewhere having sex or you're on the road driving the girl back. And believe me, if you're not on the road driving that girl back and you don't have a logical reason for why she's not home by 10, that dad is going to kill you. Now, granted, Indy Hartwell, Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae are not her parents, but still, this is a funny scenario because everything in here works. Now, of course, Dexter Loomis doesn't speak, so it makes the scene that much more funnier, and Indy Hartwell looks like a girl getting ready on a date. So this is a very relatable scene for everybody, and of course, the dad is tracking the daughter, and they're going to spy. Because that's what some crazy parents do. And the reason they're spying is because they don't want their daughter having sex. And the reason they want their daughter having sex is because they don't want her to get pregnant and ruin her life. And even when uh, Candice LeRae asked her if she has protection, Indy's like, you know, I'm a girl, I can fight. And she's like showing off her biceps and says, I don't need protection. And Candace is like, oh dear God. Because obviously she's asking her, do you have condoms? Because that's the key thing that every parent is looking for. Do you have condoms? Now, I'm going to go off track on this a little bit. Just because we're on this subject, I'm going to get it off my chest. There are some parents out there, mostly dads, not really moms, but mostly dads, who will give their their son a condom if he's going on a date. And there are some parents who support this, and there are some parents who don't support this. Because it's like, you're encouraging your kids to have sex. Let me tell you something right now. If you're a parent, and you honestly think your kids aren't trying to have sex, you're fucking retarded. Fact. I'm going to say that right now. Any parent who thinks their kids are not trying to have sex, especially their teenagers, you're a fucking retard. Especially now... In the year 2021, this might be an exception because with all the Me Too shit happening, I'm surprised anybody at any age is thinking about sex on a date because at this point, I'd be too paranoid to even fucking try. But anyway, my point is, you're a fucking idiot if you think your kids aren't trying to have sex. Giving your kid a condom is not encouraging him to have sex. It's providing him with protection should sex occur. Because, again... Let's be honest. If guys have an opportunity to get laid, they're going to take it. They just are. And girls too. Because girls like sex as well. I know that's hard for people to believe, but it's the truth. You always want to have protection. You always want to be prepared. Even if you don't use it, you have it. It's better to have one and not need it than need it and not have one. Like, I'll be honest right now. It's been a couple months since I've had sex. But let me tell you something. The glove compartment of my car has condoms in it. I have packs of condoms in the glove compartment of my car. Why? Because you never know. A situation might come up where I could end up having sex, and I want to be prepared. I, want, I have those condoms ready for whatever happens, whether it's a one-night stand with a chick I meet in a bar or if it's with a hooker I happen to see while driving home late at night from a comedy show or a wrestling show or whatever. If I happen to see a, if a hooker happens to come up to my car and wants to get laid and I got the money to spend, boom, I got a condom, there we go. So I'm always prepared for whatever the fuck's going to happen, okay? And everybody should be. You should be supplying your kids 
with condoms. But what you do is you tell them, look, you shouldn't be having sex. Don't do it. But if it happens, here you go. You should encourage your kids to be abstinent. But at the same time, you should be smart enough to know there's a high chance they're not going to be. So you want them to be prepared. It's not encouraging your kids to have sex. It's encouraging your kids to make smart decisions when their back's against the wall, literally and metaphorically. All right, so I'm getting off topic here. I'll get back on the show. So we cut to a parking lot. And no, this is not Dexter and Indy. This is Hit Row. And they're hanging around a flaming trash can. Swerve says a God Odell Phantasma ripping out his grill last week was out of line and disrespectful to the culture. So Swerve has one of Escobar's masks and he tosses it into the flaming trash can. And of course, in the midst of all this, the other members of Hit Row cut their promos and say their piece. But interestingly enough, they're not rapping. There's no rhyme here. They're just speaking their minds and their opinions. And what's even funnier was the mask that Swerve threw in the trash can was a yellow mask. And it was similar to the loaded mask that Escobar put on when he headbutted Swerve and beat him in a match a long time ago. Which confused the shit out of me and John at the time. So I thought that was very, very well done. And it was great continuity in the storyline. Hey, here's that mask you beat me with when you cheated. I just burned it. Loved it. And it's great because we all know luchador masks are very much a part of lucha libre. It's part of the culture. That's why a lot of bad guy wrestlers get heat when they rip and tear at the mask. Or forcing the wrestler to have to remove their mask if they lose is another form of disrespect. And also really beating somebody of a lucha libre culture. So it's very well done. And it was a very well done storyline, great continuity, and it makes me look forward to the inevitable match for the North American Championship. And on that note, we cut to the in-ring segment with Elijah Dragunov. I'm probably pronouncing his first name wrong. Dragunov says he's going to take his fist and make the unthinkable happen. Dragunov says we will witness chaos and rage, and an unbeatable kingdom will fall. Dragunov is going to end Walter's reign and become the NXT UK champion. Pete Dunne interrupts. Dunn tells Dragunov that he owes everything he has to Dunn. Dunn says if he had stayed in the UK, he would have put Dragunov in his place a long time ago. Dragunov says he's going to beat Walter, and that's something Dunn can't change and never did. Dragunov challenged Dunn to a fight tonight. Dunn accepts and promises Dragunov won't make it to TakeOver. This was a fantastic in-ring segment. Uh, obviously Walter is somebody that we're all familiar with in NXT. He's the leader of Imperium and we used to see him regularly on NXT TV, uh, before COVID. Um, also, uh, Dragunov don't know anything about this guy. Cause as I said before, I don't watch NXT UK. I, I have enough wrestling that I have to follow on a weekly basis. It is hard for me to watch all of them. And just NXT UK hasn't really been on my radar. If a wrestler is not on regular NXT on the USA Network, I can't follow who they are. Because like I said before, NXT is really the only show that I watch regularly anymore. And it's for two reasons. One, I recap it here on the Boochcast. And two, because it's the only wrestling show that I truly enjoy. Because there's pure wrestling on it. There's very few spot monkey moments. They time them perfectly. That's the difference between NXT and AEW. NXT has high spots in matches. AEW has high spots instead of matches. 
But either way, fantastic segment. Dunn cut a hell of a promo. Dragunov is my first time meeting him. He cut a hell of a promo. They got me excited for this match. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. And I don't think we are, and I'm pretty sure John wouldn't either if he was here. We have L.A. Knight with Cameron Grimes versus Chase. Basically, Knight hits his finisher, blunt force trauma, for the 1-2-3, and L.A. Knight wins. It's in quick fashion. After the match, Knight makes Grimes wipe his forehead with a towel. And then he's going to make him shine his boot, but basically use, instead of the sheet, another part of his body. Then Ted DiBiase's music hits, and he walks to the ring. DiBiase says Grimes deserves better. Knight says Grimes was born to be a butler. DiBiase tells Grimes that he believes in him. DiBiase says if Knight puts the Million Dollar Championship on the line, Grimes will win. Knight says he will face Grimes one more time. But if he wins, Grimes won't be his butler anymore. DiBiase will be. DiBiase agrees. Now, this is the most intriguing because... Okay, he said if he wins, Grimes won't be his butler anymore. So what happens? So basically, if Cameron Grimes wins, he's not a butler. So basically, no matter what happens, after TakeOver 36, Cameron Grimes is no longer LA Knight's butler. That's pretty much done. Because that's the weird part. Because if so, if he, if he was to win the Million Dollar Championship, does that mean that Cameron Grimes would still be LA Knight's butler and would be, but but would still be the million dollar champion. That they need to clarify that. So because it looks to me like Cameron Grimes is done being a butler, no matter what happens. And it's going to be intriguing to see because at first, you know, it kind of made me feel like Cameron Grimes is going to win. Like, okay, Grimes, you beat me. You won't be my butler anymore. You can be the million dollar champion. But if you lose, you're just going to remain my butler. That would be a much better stipulation. But now that we know Ted DiBiase is going to be a butler. That makes me think that LA Knight has a good chance of winning this match. Because then, LA Knight can still be the million dollar champion, because I feel like this gimmick works for him. And Ted DiBiase is basically his butler, his slave, helps him out. And I think that would be great. You know, and Cameron Grimes has to, you know, go do his own thing. Or maybe something happens where, at some point down the road, Cameron Grimes faces LA Knight again. Like, let's say L.A. Knight cheats. He does some kind of heel tactic, and he cheats to win. So DiBiase's his butler for a little while. Eventually, Cameron Grimes can fight for the right to DiBiase to, to no longer be his butler, or something like that. But, again, I would love to see Ted DiBiase on TV more, and i like to see him as L.A. Knight's butler. I would like to see how those segments would go, because so far with Cameron Grimes, they've been great. You know, Cameron Grimes has done a great job as L.A. Knight's butler. You know, instead of being like, you know, reluctant to do everything, he's kind of saying, hey, I'm a man of my word. I'll be the butler. He's doing a great job in that babyface capacity. So now we know this match is going to happen. I'm intrigued to see who's going to win. But I kind of want to see L.A. Knight win. Not just because I like L.A. Knight, but I want to see DiBiase as a butler. I feel like DiBiase is a good, still a good TV personality. It would get him on TV. He'd make more money. And I don't know how much money DiBiase wants or needs. Um, obviously, with his gimmick, he's saying he's got plenty of money. But let's be honest. Uh, you know, in real life, I don't know how much money he has or how much money he needs. But plus, having DiBiase around more would not only help LA Knight, it would help the rest of the roster too because DiBiase can be backstage. 
and he could give like words of wisdom to the talent. He could be another a person to help give people advice because the legends serve a purpose in wrestling still. And if nothing else, it's to coach the people that want to be coached. And I feel like Ted DiBiase is a good person to coach young talent because he's not only a Hall of Famer, he's one of the all-time greats. He's been to the big top. He's main evented WrestleMania. He's been one of the cornerstones of the WWE in his heyday. So DiBiase is a good person to learn from. And on that note, move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that, and I will. Uh, Gigi Dolan with JC Jane versus Amari Miller. Now, earlier, Gigi Dolan was cutting promos where she was cutting off the tops of flowers and talking about how this is a lifestyle, not just a 9 to 5 and all that. And it was an interesting promo. I didn't quite know where she was going with it, but it was still good. Then we have this match. And Gigi Dolan does very, very well. Shows she, she can work very well and uh, showing off her skills. She eventually hits an abdominal stretch bob for the win. And Gigi Dolan went, gets the pinfall. So very well done finish. Showed a little bit of wrestling there. You know, Hyper extending the arm on the bottom rope. Miller's writhing in pain. Showing a couple of strikes and, you know, showing a little bit of the of the Demon Harlot gimmick, but not too much. Because we all know Gigi Dolan is Priscilla Kelly. Whoever I mentioned before has been wrestling uh, um, everywhere. She's made a cameo appearance on AEW. She was in the, uh, you know, May Young Classic the first year. Uh, she's wrestled for uh, Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, she's been part of UCW. We had her at UCW Payback uh, two years ago. Um, she's wrestled for multiple indie independent organizations, and she was a referee on Daytime Fighting League on Adult Swim, which is where uh, Priscilla and I met and became friends because we both worked together on uh, Daytime Fighting League for Adult Swim. So I'm I'm glad to see her in this new environment, and I like the fact that she's getting a good push. Like she's doing very well. She hasn't lost a match yet, and she's doing fantastic, which basically means that she's getting. Better treatment here than she did in AEW. I will say that. Uh, but either way, I feel like Gigi Dolan's going to be a future star in NXT. And, you know, even though her name is Gigi Dolan, she'll always be Priscilla Kelly to me. And Priscilla deserves every bit of success she's getting. And I'm rooting for her. Next, we cut to the back to the restaurant. Hartwell orders a ton of food. Loomis is completely silent but seems to be enjoying whatever he's eating. Hartwell leads Gargano on a walkie-talkie. Heads Gargano on a walkie-talkie. Hartwell finds LeRae uh, hiding behind a menu at another table. Hartwell tells LeRae, LeRae and Gargano to leave them alone. So basically, their cover's blown. Gargano was too stupid to notice it. And again, it's, you know, them spying and being annoying. And again, it's like it's like something out of a sitcom. It really is. Although I've never seen, I don't, I don't know any parents in real life that have gone to these lengths, but we've seen enough of these scenes in movies and sitcoms to know how they go. And on that note, we cut to Commissioner Regal. He is in the ring with security. Regal announces Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly 3, which is going to be called the Undisputed Finale. Regal asks for O'Reilly and Cole to join him in the ring, and they basically say that O'Reilly and Cole will each name stipulations 
for the first two matches. So Kyle O'Reilly picks the stipulation for the first fall. Adam Cole picks the picks the stipulation for the second fall. And if a third fall is necessary, William Regal will pick the final fall. So Kyle O'Reilly goes first and he says that he's already beaten up Adam Cole with every weapon under the sun. And because Kyle because Adam Cole beat him in a straight up match at the Great American Bash, Kyle O'Reilly wants to prove he can beat Adam Cole in a straight up wrestling match. So he says that's what he wants the first fall to be. Because he knows if he can beat Adam Cole in a real fight, in a straight up match, pinfall or submission, then that will crush Adam Cole's spirit. Cole says he is better at this job than O'Reilly and that he was so predictable. And he said that after he smashed his, his neck on the steel steps and attacked him last week, it's very clear what kind of match he wants. So Adam Cole says he wants a street fight. And he says it doesn't matter what the third match stipulation Regal picks is because Cole is going to win this match two falls to zero. O'Reilly and Cole argue. Cole reminds O'Reilly that he will never be Adam Cole. No one can touch him. And O'Reilly is the footnote in Cole's career. Cole tells O'Reilly he doesn't have a killer instinct. O'Reilly is soft. Cole tells O'Reilly he's nothing. They start to brawl. Security separates both men. Regal says he knew this was going to happen and that the third fall will be in a steel cage. Now, they're saying that the third fall will take place if necessary. But, again... Let's be honest. What are the odds of a two out of three falls match ending in only two falls? Now, it has happened before, but never when there's stipulation. So technically, this isn't even a two out of three falls match. This is a three stages of hell match because there's stipulations. So the first match is a regular singles match. The second match is a street fight. And the third fall is the steel cage. Now, I'm going to say this. I believe that Kyle O'Reilly should win the first fall and get that straight-up wrestling victory. That way we have on record that Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly have both beaten each other one-on-one straight up. I believe in the second fall, Adam Cole needs to win. Since Kyle O'Reilly won the unsanctioned match where there was violence and weapons, I believe Adam Cole should win a match with violence and weapons. Then we go to the third fall in the steel cage because the cage needs to happen. You can't book a steel cage match and then not lower the cage. It's fucking stupid. I believe Kyle O'Reilly should win the cage match. And and, and I believe that if Kyle O'Reilly already gets the pinfall victory in the cage then Kyle O'Reilly should win by escaping the cage. But if Adam Cole gets the first fall victory, then Kyle O'Reilly should win the third fall by pinning Adam Cole in the middle of the ring. One, two, three. That's what I believe. Because Kyle O'Reilly needs to win this match. And the reason he needs to win this match is because Kyle O'Reilly has more to gain from winning this match than Adam Cole does. Again, I have nothing but respect for Adam Cole. I think he's incredibly talented. I know John is very high on him. But there is nothing left for Adam Cole to do in NXT. Nothing. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I love the man, but he has taken up space. He does not need to be here. Plus, 
there's already talk of Adam Cole's contract expiring. And there's talks of him either going up to the main roster or going to AEW. Now, apparently, Vince McMahon loves Adam Cole and wants to bring him up to the main roster. And he wants to put him on either Raw or SmackDown and wants to make him a champion almost immediately. Like, if he goes to Raw, he's going to become the United States champion very soon. If he goes to SmackDown, he will become the Intercontinental champion very soon. And in fact, they're going to offer him a million dollars a year from what I'm hearing. And he wants Adam Cole to be the next big future star. And he's going to build, eventually build, build the brand around Adam Cole. He's very high on Adam Cole. Vince does not want Adam Cole to leave. I don't want Adam Cole to leave. I just want him to leave NXT. Now, my opinion is, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Adam Cole needs to go to SmackDown. Because Raw is the kiss of death. Everybody knows, you go to Monday Night Raw, you're fucked. Don't believe me? Look at Keith Lee and look at Karrion Cross. Karrion Cross isn't even officially on the Raw roster yet, and he's already getting fucked. Keith Lee's been on that roster, and he's gotten fucked six ways from Sunday. So, Raw is the kiss of death. If Adam Cole goes to Monday Night Raw, he's fucked. If I'm Adam Cole, the first words out of my mouth with Vince are going, you send me to SmackDown. And you keep me there for as long as humanly possible until I have done everything there is to do on SmackDown and there's nothing left for me to do. Then I'll go to Raw. But you send him to SmackDown immediately. And I'll even say, put the Intercontinental title on Adam Cole. Why? Because the Intercontinental title goes to the best in-ring worker. And Adam Cole is a phenomenal in-ring worker. Not that he wasn't good before, but ever since he's come to NXT and Triple H has been coaching him up, he's gotten a lot better. Because he actually has psychology now. He doesn't do the spot monkey shit that he used to do in Ring of Honor and New Japan and everywhere else. He knows how to work now. So Adam Cole needs to go to SmackDown. He needs to be the Intercontinental Champion. And like I said, with him on SmackDown, you need to build for WrestleMania 38, Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee. Because Adam Cole and Pat McAfee definitely need to have another match. Because that match made money on NXT and it will be money for WrestleMania. That's a WrestleMania match. Because we've already established, Pat McAfee knows how to talk. Pat McAfee knows how to work. And because Adam Cole is basically a heel now, we could have a heel Adam Cole and a babyface Pat McAfee. Because last time in NXT, Adam Cole was the babyface, Pat McAfee was the heel. Now you can flip-flop it because the main roster and build something for WrestleMania. Because Pat McAfee is a fucking star outside the business. But he also knows how to work. He knows how to wrestle. And he can cut promos. I thought it was her goddamn ridiculous taking Pat McAfee away from NXT. Put him on... I mean, Granny's doing great as a SmackDown commentator. He is fucking amazing. But you've got something here. Make the money. It's great. Adam Cole needs to leave NXT. 
Kyle O'Reilly needs the win to build himself up as a credible wrestler and competitor. Adam Cole gains nothing from winning this match. Fucking nothing. If anything, it buries Kyle O'Reilly to have Adam Cole win. There is no gain anywhere for Adam Cole. He's done it all in NXT. He has taken up space. He's got to go. Whether he goes to the main roster or he goes to AEW, I prefer he go to SmackDown. But if it turns out Adam Cole and Vincent Mann can't come to terms on a deal and Adam Cole has to go to AEW, then by all means go to AEW. But I lo- as much as I love and respect Adam Cole, there's nothing left for him to do in NXT. And on that note, we move on to the next segment. We cut to uh, Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa, who are apparently unhappy with the fact that um, Ridge Holland is getting involved in their business. Timothy Thatcher's already established that he wants first dibs on Ridge Holland, so most likely we're going to see uh, Toothless Timmy and Ridge Holland go first. And then probably Tommaso Ciampa will take him on next. But I feel like we haven't seen the last of this feud. Because I feel like Ridge Holland, Pete Dunne, and uh, I believe Oni Lorcan uh, are going to be in a feud. But I feel like Danny Burch is going to come back at some point. Hopefully he does if he hasn't been released already. And by the way, we'll get into the NXT releases when Elvis and I do our variety show. Uh, I know you guys are probably wanting to hear about that, but I'll save that for another show, for another segment. But anyway, uh, I see Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. I feel like they're going to need two more people to help them in this feud. I don't know who the other two people are going to be, but I want to see a four-on-four, especially with, uh, in a couple of months, we're going to be having war games, and I feel like that's going to be perfect for war games if Ciampa and Thatcher can get a team. And I already have an idea of who I want those two people to be because I feel like it would be epic. And I want those two people to be Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory. DIY kind of back together with all these guys. I feel like there could be a respect factor there. I'd like to see that. Just wishful thinking. Next, we cut to the semifinals of the NXT Breakout Tournament. Odyssey Jones versus Trey Baxter. Great match. Both these guys have great personalities and showcased a lot of skill in this match. It was hard hitting, great back and forth. Both these guys uh, laid it all on the line and are showing that they are future stars in NXT. Now, of course, um, the only issue was Baxter goes up top and missed a move, um, which was kind of fucking stupid. But then Jones is the back suplex into a Uranagi, gets the one, two, three, and the winner of the match, Odyssey Jones. So while Trey Baxter had a botching moment, Odyssey Jones was phenomenal in this. So props to both these men. Uh, hopefully Trey Baxter can recover from the botch. Next, we get to the backstage area. We see McKenzie, who sees Kushida and Malcolm Bivens leaving Regal's office. Regal announces that MSK will defend the NXT tag team titles against Imperium next week. Uh, due to Bivens' convincing arguments and Kushida's willingness to take on the challenge, Kushida will defend the Cruiserweight Championship against Roderick Strong. Now, I'm okay with both these matches. I just have one question. Why in the ever-living fuck are these matches taking place next week? Next week is the go-home episode of NXT 
before TakeOver. Because the next NXT show is the 17th. The 22nd is TakeOver. Why would you put title matches on free TV when you have a TakeOver the same fucking week? Why does WWE and AEW continue to do this shit? No one's been able to logically explain to me why. Why, why, why are you putting championship matches on go-home episodes? The go-home episode of NXT should be involving nothing but building TakeOver. In fact, the go-home episode of any pay-per-view, NXT or the main roster or AEW or Ring of Honor or Impact, doesn't matter. Your go-home episode should have nothing but promos and face-offs. And if there are wrestling matches, it involves people not on the card that are still entertaining so people can go, oh, we saw some great wrestling. But you should be building for your match. You should have contract signings. You should be having promos and segments. This face-off between Cole and O'Reilly should have happened. Net should be happening on the fucking go-home. That's what needs to be happening. I don't want to see title matches or people that are in high-profile matches wrestling on the go-home episode. Why? Because injuries could fucking happen, especially with wrestlers today who do all the spot monkey bullshit. They get injured, and then you have to completely change your fucking card. I mean, if you put these matches on next week, what the fuck else are you going to have for your pay-per-view? These are pay-per-view matches. As much as I hate MSK, they're the tag team champions. This match between them and Imperium should be a takeover. And Imperium should take the fucking tag belts. Kushida and Roderick Strong have had a storyline. This needs to happen at TakeOver. And Roderick Strong needs to walk out with the goddamn Cruiserweight title. That's what needs to happen. Every title needs to change hands at this fucking takeover. The only, in fact, that's the only logical explanation I can think of is that they want one of these belts or both of these belts to change hands, but they don't want too many title changes on a pay-per-view. That's the only logical explanation you can come up with. That's the only excuse I'm taking. Other than that, it's like, this is fucking stupid. Because then what am I going to see on the pay-per-view? If you put all the good matches on TV, what am I going to see on the pay-per-view? Now, granted, TakeOver's got some kick-ass matches already, but I feel like if you have a pay-per-view, every title should be defended at a pay-per-view. Every single one for NXT. Now, on the main roster, it's a different story because they got a fuck ton of belts and all the brands are together. But for NXT, every single title should be defended. Every one. Every single goddamn one of them should be on the line at a TakeOver. No excuses. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that, and I don't. Uh, we got Boa with Mei Ying versus Drake Maverick. This <laughs> was her goddamn ridiculous. Boa lands a buzzsaw kick for the win after Mei Ying spits mist in Maverick's face and Maverick screams in agony. That's the only logical explanation I can come up with for why they would do this to Drake Maverick. To have him job to Boa. Who, in my opinion, there's no money in. 
Drake Maverick's entertaining. There's money in Drake. There's no money in Boa. No one gives a shit about Boa. Seriously, do any NXT fans actually give a single fuck about Boa? Because I'd love to talk to you if you if you do. Please message the show. Go, go to our social media. DM us. Let us know why you, you even remotely give a fuck about Boa if you do. I'm telling you right now, this sorry motherfucker ain't entertaining. And of course, uh, Malcolm Bivens is a scouting talent as well. I can see him on this Twitter thing. Then we cut back to the restaurant. Gargano is dressed up as a waiter. Hartwell sees through Gargano's terrible attempt at deception. Gargano and Hartwell fight over a cake. Gargano accidentally hits Loomis in the face with a cake. Gargano tells Hartwell he'll see her at home. Gargano runs off. Loomis has cake all over his face. Hartwell reminds Loomis that she always has room for dessert. Hartwell covers the camera as she leans in to kiss Loomis. I love that line. I love that. I thought that was fantastic. I will say this, though. This is probably my only complaint. And I just actually just now realized it was a complaint because I didn't even think about it until literally just this moment. Um, Why is Indy Hartwell covering the camera? You're not supposed to know that the camera is there. That's a fourth wall break that's not supposed to fucking happen. When you're filming a segment for wrestling, you're supposed to act as if the camera isn't there. The only time you're supposed to know that a camera is there is if you're doing a backstage promo. Then you know. But if you're doing a segment, you're not supposed to know the camera's there. At all. You're supposed to act as if there's no camera. So to cover the camera up is stupid. I would have preferred it if they just fade to black. Or something. Or put something else up there that would have helped. There was no reason to cover the camera because all they were going to do is kiss. And kissing is not X-rated. Like, if you were going to do something X-rated, you could have had, like, you know, them at a hotel and uh, Indy goes to take off her shirt. She throws the shirt uh, in the corner and it covers up the camera. That would be good. Because then you don't, they're not, you know, then she's just throwing a shirt in the corner and you don't know what's going on or something. But uh, there, there was no reason for her to cover the camera. That was a fourth wall break that was dumb. Outside of that, the segment was pretty good. It was goofy. It was slapstick. It was entertaining for what it was. And it worked. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening. Isha Dragunov versus Pete Dunn. This was a stellar main event. I mean, from start to finish, this was a main event. This was wrestling in its purest form. Why? Because these are fighters from the UK, damn it. And the UK respects wrestling. There was punches, there was knee strikes, there was lariats, clotheslines, busted fingers... Uh, submission holds. These guys brought the fight to each other in a way that I hadn't seen in a very long time from anybody. Now, of course, 
Dragonall's about to go for his finish. Walter walks down to the ring and distracts him. And then Dunn hits the bitter end and gets the one, two, three. So Pete Dunn wins. And what's great about this is that because Walter caused the distraction, it doesn't bury Dragunov for takeover. And the reason it doesn't is because uh, after the match, Walter attacks Dragunov, but Dragunov breaks free, manages to hit his running headbutt, which sends Walter flying out of the ring, and Dragunov picks up the NXT UK Championship and stares at it. Now, of course... This is the moment where John would be losing his shit because he hates when challengers touch the title. But uh, for me, it kind of felt good to solidify everything because Dragunov just lost to Pete Dunne. So he needed to look good in this. And since the flying headbutt or the running headbutt is pretty much his finisher, it makes sense for why it would take Walter out. Now, Walter gets hit, rolls out of the ring, and he's grabbing his neck and everything while laying down outside the ring. So Walter's not completely unconscious, but he's hurt, and that helps. It may it doesn't make Walter look weak, because it's Dragunov's finish. He was caught off guard with it, and he wasn't completely knocked out. So no one looked bad at the end of this. But it did set up this Walter-Dragunov match, which in my opinion needed to happen... Because you can't assume that all the NXT fans watch NXT UK. That's why the promo for this match was phenomenal. Because it educated all of us on what's been going on. And the fact that Walters had this 800 plus day reign. And the fact that people have been waiting 10 months for this rivalry, for this rematch. And now we're going to see it. So, like I said, I don't watch NXT UK. But I'm excited for this match. And I love that it's taking place at TakeOver 36. All right, that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude this recap of NXT. I definitely plan on having one for you guys again next week. I believe Elvis is uh, back from Chicago or is coming back from Chicago. So hopefully this week he'll provide the AEW recap. And I think we'll definitely be back for our variety show because... Really, the only plans I'm going to have on Sunday is picking Buff Bagwell up from the airport. So as long as I know what time I'm picking him up, I'll know what I'll know what time on Sunday Elvis and I can record the show and have it out to you guys on Monday. So make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. Pick your favorite hosting site, follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as other great content. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at theboochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Also, on our Instagram page, take a moment to comment on the picture we have of John Tumblin and wish him a happy birthday. And I know that this ep- by the time this episode comes out, his birthday will have already passed. But give him a happy belated birthday. Let him know that you guys, the NXT fans, you appreciate John Tumblin because he's a fantastic NXT correspondent. The passion, the energy he brings to this show, the talent that he possesses when it comes to talking wrestling is something that we all should appreciate here on the Boochcast. So go to the Instagram page, wish John Tumblin a happy birthday. Let him know you love and appreciate what he brings to the show. Also, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
Check out our episodes of Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring, as well as our watch parties, our D&D one-shot, great skits, and of course we have more content coming soon, including new episodes of the Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring. We're hoping to bring them to you later this month, because we know the second half of Dark Side of the Ring has to take place in September, so we're hoping to get that to you as soon as possible. So make sure you guys hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified so you never miss another episode of the Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring, as well as other additional Boochcast YouTube content that is coming soon. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties where you can live chat with us during the shows. Our next watch party will be Saturday, August 21st. That's right. Next Saturday night. We will be live on Twitch for WWE SummerSlam. So make sure you guys join us. We'll also have a special treat for you guys to check out SummerSlam so you can follow along with us and have a great time. You can also live chat with us through Twitch during the show. We respond to all comments. We love our fans. Come check out SummerSlam with the gang. We will be live at Alcasa de Delinsky. And we already got confirmed for the event. I will be there. Elvis will be there. The Broke Solus Ginger Zach Scott will be there. And, of course, Desmond Dagenhart will be in attendance as well. And we'll find out if John and his fiance will be joining us or not. I'm going to be talking to them soon uh, to find out that information. But next Saturday, August 21st, WWE SummerSlam. We are live on Twitch. Also on Twitch, we're going to be having our live D&D show. That's right, our Dungeons & Dragons show will be taking place sometime in the month of October, uh, preferably after John and uh, his fiance's wedding is when that's going to be taking place. So we will ha- once we have the exact date, we will give it to you. But, on, but in October, be on the lookout for the show. Also, we have a big surprise for the D&D show that I can't reveal right now, but when I can, it's going to blow your fucking minds. And of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the show. You can support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three different levels that you can donate at. We do plan on giving out some prizes for those levels at a later date. We don't have the prizes set yet. But if you subscribe now before we give out the prizes, then whatever level you're at, once we have the prizes, we'll send them to you. If you'd rather wait till we announce the prizes, feel free to do so. But the first level is you can donate for 99 cents per month. That's right. Just 99 cents a month. You can help contribute to the show and allow the Boochcast to grow and evolve. So if you don't got a lot of money to spend, just give us 99 cents a month. That's all we ask for. Also, if you got some extra money to spend, you can go to the second level and contribute for $4.99 per month. That's right. The same price you would pay for a Peacock subscription, you can support this show. I know a lot of you guys aren't fans of the Peacock, so rather than waste your money on the Peacock, send it over here. We got better content. And of course, our last level, you can donate to the show for a mere $9.99. That's right. The same amount of money you used to pay for a WWE Network subscription back in the day. Since you live, If you live in the United States, you don't have anywhere to put that $9.99. Take that money. Bring it over here. We got better content than the network anyway. And we care about our fans. So pick a level, donate, and help us out. You can pay with a credit card 
or with GPay. And by donating this money per month, uh, what you're going to be doing is uh, this allows us at the Boochcast to upgrade our equipment. It allows us to bring in bigger name guests. It allows us to pay our bills. But also it allows me to take care of all the guys who work very hard behind the scenes to make this show possible. All my co-hosts, they make money from this show if the show makes money. So if you got a favorite co-host and you feel like those people deserve to be paid for the work that they do here on the Boochcast, well, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you can make that happen. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been the Boochcast. I'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.